it's in the worst form. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, it's in there. Okay, that's right. I was afraid it didn't have it. Yeah, we got it. Good morning. Welcome. Glad to see you this morning. Uh, it's uh, great to be in God's house with all of God's people here today and to worship the Lord together as God's people today. We welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us and we're, we're, we're glad that you're here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of uh, our family as we worship God together. We'd like to invite our guests to stop by our hospitality table after the worship service in our uh, foyer, we have a little gift that we would like to give you uh, uh, for attending with us today. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row in the, um, uh, the maroon folder. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us today. Uh, give us as much information as you feel comfortable giving to us and check the appropriate box on there, and we would certainly appreciate that. Um, some things that are coming up. We, we're having a busy day today. Uh, today is a very busy day. We're having our worship service. Our children are going to be doing a wonderful Christmas pageant in just a few moments. Uh, then we'll uh, have the rest of our service. Then you're dismissed to go and get a quick bite and a small bite because you don't want to uh, ruin your appetite because we're coming back here uh, between 2 and 4 because our deacons are having an open house, a Christmas open house for the congregation, uh, just to say thank you for, uh, for being the people of God that you are and, uh, and to celebrate the Christmas spirit that is in this place. So come back at 2 o'clock or sometime between 2 and 4. You can drop in and stay as long as you want, and uh, we'll just have a great time of fellowship this afternoon. And then... So you thought that was going to be it. See, I told you it was going to be a busy day. At 4 o'clock, we're going to be gathering and going caroling, uh, especially to some of our shut-ins and, and people that uh, we could use a little, uh, little lift in their spirits. So hang around at, at 4 o'clock and go caroling with us this afternoon. Uh, at this point, we, there is one matter of business that we need to take, take care of, and that is our, our budget. We uh, presented the budget at our business meeting on Wednesday for discussion, and, uh, and we, as we do always, we'll uh, vote on the budget today. So I'll turn it over to Chris Hopgood, our moderator, to conduct the rest of the business here. This is a very brief business meeting. You've got in your worship folder on the back, bottom right-hand corner, uh, the 2013 budget summary that the church had discussion on Wednesday and voted to submit to you. As you remember, this is an up or down yes or no vote, uh, so take a chance, a uh, moment to look at it. It's pretty easy to boil down that it's either the building, our staff, or missions. We don't spend a lot of money on anything else. Uh, it is, again, it's a negative budget. Um, we have had a negative proposed budget for the last several years, and the lights are still on, and uh, the payments have been made, so uh, there's no need to panic over that. Any questions? Well, there's no, I can't ask for any questions because yes or no. So anybody had a chance to look at that? Uh, all in favor of adopting the 2013 budget, signify by saying aye. aye. Any opposed by nay? 
All right. Where's one other matter? Jika, come here. I've got something um, to mention to you. The budget is always a matter of sacrifice. It's a sacrifice for us, and it's a sacrifice for our staff. As you noted, we haven't had um, the ability to give many raises, but Jika has served without pay uh, for the last year, and, and to me that's a sacrifice above and beyond the call of duty. So we would like to simply thank you with this token for your sacrifice for our church over the years and especially this last year. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jika. And thank you, everyone, uh, for your sacrifice as well. Um, uh, Chris said that uh, it is a, a negative budget and we don't need to panic yet. <laughs> uh, and that's my way of saying it, it is a challenge for us in 2013 to make this budget. And so we will be cutting expenses as much as we can, but we also need to increase our, our giving uh, during this year, if, it, if at all possible as well, so that we can, um, so that we can con continue on with the ministries that we have here at Community Baptist Church. Now, if we would, let me invite you to stand and let's greet each other in the name of God and share the love of Christ with one another this morning. As you return to your seats, we will begin our Christmas pageant in just a moment. Thank you. Our children and youth have been working hard for weeks uh, to uh, pull together a Christmas pageant to present to us today, and we're looking forward to that. And so I'm going to have just a brief word of prayer, and then we're just going to turn it over to our children who will lead us in this important time of worship. Let us pray. Come thou long-expected Jesus. We, along with those of every age and along with all those who join in worship today, expect you, O Christ, to be with us. For you have come in your birth in Bethlehem, 
And you are present wherever your church comes together. And so we pray that you would renew our awareness of your coming, O God, both then and now. And bless us as we worship you today. Amen. Welcome. I would like to welcome you here to tell you the story so dear as we do our part to spread good cheer. We're so glad that each of you is here. Please enjoy Happy Birthday Jesus performed by the children and the youth. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 7 through 14. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Psalm 98.4 Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth, make a loud noise, and rejoice and sing praise.
Luke chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go, and go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. No Danger, written by Mary Ann Green. I saw the babe in a manger and cried, Won't he be in danger? The animals stood all around, and the shepherds knelt on the ground. His mother smiled at me, and my heart leaped with glee. Then I knew he was God's son, the long-promised Holy One. Psalm 96, 1, 2, and 8. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. She forth his salvation from day to day. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts.
if he'd asked me what Christmas was all about, here's what I say. And I stand up and shout, it's all about Jesus, the birth of a king. And peace, love, and hope is what he's offering. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and his sheep of his pasture. And two into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his kites with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the light is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Thanks to Jesus, written by Margaret Primrose. Thanks for baby Jesus and his bed of hay. Thanks because he loves me and hears me when I pray. As we conclude our Christmas program, we want to just give all, everybody that helped a big round of applause. Terry, Tim, Mark Hobson with the stage. <laughs> Virginia, who's done a wonderful job with the kids. We ask that you please, um, our calendar and our notepad fundraiser, I know this is a horrible time, but this is how we bought our costumes. So if you haven't purchased your calendars and your notepads, please see us after church. We're going to ask that the congregation, congregation please help us sing the first verse of Happy Birthday, Jesus, and then we'll finish up our 2012 Christmas pageant. Thank you all so much. best way to celebrate on this bright day of days to make sure that Jesus has the best of all birthdays. The best way to celebrate is being sure to give, not just at Christmas time, but all the days of Europe.
This story was found on the website Crossroads to Bible Study. The author was not identified. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, he announced a contest to produce this masterpiece and offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and many paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another, while viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As the judges pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mere smooth lake reflected lacy green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. And along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed and disturbed. Surely this was the winner. But the man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice. The crowd could almost feel its cold, penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and the bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. And one of its branches reached out in front of the waterfall. As it foolishly seek to experience its full power, a little bird had built a nest on the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her stormy surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace that transcends all earthly turmoil. Which picture do you think won the prize? The man with the vision chose the second picture. Do you know why? Because, as he explained, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise or trouble or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That's the real meaning of peace. At this time of year, especially in light of recent happenings in the world and the school shootings in Connecticut, we as Christians sometimes struggle to find peace, not as the world knows it, but as God promised. When the song of angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost. To heal the broken. To feed the hungry. To release the prisoner. To rebuild the nations. To bring peace among the brothers and sisters. To make music in the heart. May, May this season, season be one of peace. peace. Deep, deep in your, in your spirit. spirit. We light the candle of peace because we believe in the, in the peace, peace of Christmas. Christmas.
If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2. We'll be reading verses 13 through 23. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled, because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who are seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He was called a Nazarene.
You pray with me. Heavenly Father, we gather today. Our hearts are heavy, but we know that uh, what we as human find ways to um, destruct, that in you we find the peace and the joy and the understanding. We come to you today with our offerings, offerings that that we can give, knowing that no no matter how small our offering is or how great our offering is, it is for your kingdom and to spread your love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may have noticed that Kirk uh, read a passage of Scripture a little while ago that was not in your worship folder. It's changed, and the reason why is we uh, threw a curveball today. In light of what has happened this week, I felt like um, we needed to address uh, what took place in Newtown, um, Connecticut on Friday, and so that's why I had Kirk to read that passage of Scripture and change my sermon as well. Uh, it's one of those things I don't do very often, but I did this time because I felt like I needed to do that. 
Um, but we are going to continue to do uh, something that we've been doing through this Advent season, and that is to allow you and, and to encourage you to help me begin this sermon. Um, I want to read a passage of Scripture, a couple of verses of Scripture, one that was quoted in the passage that Kirk read a few moments ago. It comes from Jeremiah verse 31, verse 15, or chapter 31, verse 15. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. We're all aware of what has taken place. Terrible tragedy in Connecticut. This is something as we have lighted the peace candle today, this is something that reminds us that even at this time of the year, sometimes peace eludes us. And so I would like to ask you today to share some things in your life or things that you've experienced or maybe some feelings about what has taken place that causes us to recognize that, that peace is not an automatic thing for us, but it's something that we must seek elsewhere other than in the circumstances of the world. Who would like to share with us today? I'll begin by saying I can't imagine what those parents felt. They kissed their kids goodbye Friday morning, sent them to school, never to see them again. But when we look for peace in a tragedy like this, we can't look for answers in this world. We have to look for answers beyond this world. I don't think you can ever truly find peace in and, in and on this earth. Um, there will always be evil. There will always be things that just make no sense. But if you sit down and you, you go to God in prayer and you give it to him because we can't, we can't change that. We can't take it back. We can't make it right. Uh, God has made it right for them. It will take time for it to make it right for the parents and the people of that community. So we have to give it to God. Thank you, Frank. Who else would like to share? Anybody else? What do you think it means when the angels called Jesus the Prince of Peace in light of something like this that has happened? Anyone like to share anything? It was a peaceful feeling um, Friday. Most of you know that I have heart disease. Uh, 
and that I have uh, a minor bump in the road right now. So I spend four hours at St. Mary's Hospital every morning for another week and have been doing so for a month. When I heard, so when you're on in this therapy, you're watching the TV. I happen to see this. And it made me remember that even though I don't understand or even though um, I'm trained as a school teacher, I've been a teacher, an administrator, I just commenced yesterday with another degree, and I imagined what it would be like for those employees, for those teachers, for those aides, for those principals and assistant principals, and and that their training, I prayed for them that their training kicked in automatically, that that that's a big topic now. But that the peace that, that God gives us through history, that he is unchanging, he is ever-loving, and that he works things out, things that we think, um, like heart disease, is a real bummer. What a shame to have to have heart disease, uh, or whatever it is in your life. That God works those things to tell stories through us to other people. And so I take great peace in that. Uh, maybe I don't feel peaceful, but I know that God's working his story out through us as Christians, the light in the world. Thank you, Kirk. And congratulations. Anyone else? In our Sunday school lesson a couple of weeks ago, um, we talked about, it, it talked about what do you expect from God. And I think that fits what we've seen happen here. What do you expect from God? And um, this writer said that we usually expect uh, one kind of help and God gives another kind. One of the expectations we have of God is a mechanical help, that he will do a miracle He'll fix something. He'll heal. He'll solve a problem. And while God can do that, God's help is a personal, up-close and personal help. God's help is the kind that when you're in that pit, like I know these folks must be, if you look beside you, God is sitting there with you. And that's the kind of peace that God brings. Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? Good. We have somebody sitting right next door, next to each. I'm not going back and forth. Or... Having been in the funeral business for many years, and I've also known that you face this in that business, and I've faced that in a couple of situations where I've had child in front of me, and I've had to look at them. I can tell you that most of the funeral homes in that area, you have seen a lot of tears fall in a prep room getting ready to work with that child. It's hard to believe why someone would do something like that, but it happens. The only thing you can say 
is every one of those little souls are at the right hand of God today. Thank you, Jim. Anyone else? Okay. Thank you for sharing. Would you like, would you like a little, uh, a little humor? Uh, maybe not exactly humorous, but it depends on who you are here. Uh, have you, uh, have you been? Um, how many of you have been busy? during the past week or two or as we're approaching the Christmas day, I, I think most of us have been busy. You ever felt like life is just kind of out of control, you know, and, and we just kind of plug along? If, if you have, then you may be able to relate to a harrowing adventure of a certain basset hound named Tattoo. Uh, it seems that Tattoo's owner headed out for a drive one day uh, but he didn't notice that Tattoo's leash had gotten caught in the car door. And Terry Filbert, who was a police officer patrolling the neighborhood on his motorcycle, spotted this poor dog running along beside the car and sometimes rolling along beside the car. And so he, he stopped Tattoo's owner and alerted him to the situation. And thankfully, Tattoo came out of this okay. He was not terribly injured but he hasn't been begging for any walks lately. I think he's perfectly content just to stay at home. Well, you and I may feel a little bit like Tattoo after these last few weeks of, of the holiday rush. I mean, this is, this is always such a, a busy time of the year, and, and sometimes it feels as if we're just running or just, just rolling along with no power to stop. We have about another week and a half before the Christmas rush is over, and, I, and I'm sure that, that most, most of us are probably looking forward to that week after Christmas when hopefully things will slow down a bit and we can kick off of our running shoes and relax a little bit. But unfortunately, that was not the case for Mary and Joseph and their newborn baby boy. For you see, after the shepherds had gone back to their flocks and after the wise men had gone back to the east, Mary and Joseph had to flee for their very lives and for the life of their newborn son. You may recall that after following the star into the region of Judea, the wise men were uncertain of their ultimate destination. And so they stopped by the palace of King Herod, seeking the, the birthplace of the newborn king. They probably made this a le legitimate mistake here of thinking that, that surely the newborn king could be found in the palace of the current king. But he wasn't. You see, he wasn't that kind of king. And because of this mistake, Herod was alerted to the fact that a child had been born who would one day become king. And Herod was not going to give up his throne without a fight. Now, you need to know that Herod was a thoroughly evil, paranoid, violent man. He was married to ten women. He had 15 children, ten of whom were boys. And as his ten sons grew up and became men, one of them was destined to become king. But Herod didn't even trust his sons. 
He accused two of them of treason, and in the year 7 B.C., these two sons were sent back to Rome, put on trial, and executed. And then three years later, Herod also killed his oldest son. So it's no wonder that Caesar Augustus once said of Herod, it is better to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. And by the way, this quotation is a a play on words because in the Greek, the word for pig is his and the word for son is hios. Thus, it's better to be Herod's his than to be Herod's hios. But that just points to the kind of man that that Herod was. And there were, were many such stories in history about Herod, about King Herod and, and his cruelty that demonstrated his paranoia and his lust for power and his total disregard for human life. And so it's perfectly plausible that after he discovered that the wise men were not going to return and, and give him the identity and the location of the newborn king, it's perfect, perfectly plausible that Herod would give the orders to kill all of the baby boys in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. That's perfectly consistent with Herod's character. As Frederick Beekner has so beautifully put it, for all of his enormous power, he knew there was someone in diapers more powerful still. Now, folks, I know that it is much more preferable and easier for us to hear the romanticized story of Christmas. Mary and Joseph and cattle and sheep and wise men and shepherds and the star and singing angels and such as that. It's a sweet story that brings joy to my heart every time I read it, every time I see it acted out like it was today. But the scriptures are not necessarily always sweet and joyful. They're also very realistic about the human condition. And the fact is that there are some very evil people in the world. And our scriptures do not ignore that. Most of us would rather that the story of the the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem was not in the Christmas story. But there it is. It's there, right there. And we cannot ignore it. We dare not ignore it. Because as, as events, as the events that took place two days ago and Newtown, Connecticut, remind us this is the kind of world that we live in. It's a place where the unthinkable can happen. It's a place where a man can take his weapons into a sanctuary of innocence, a first grade classroom of all places, and open fire. It's not something that we should be thinking about during this Christmas season. But we must. Some of you probably probably remember that classic television show, MASH. It was one of my favorites, uh, starring Alan Alda. Uh, This program portrayed a group of Army surgeons dealing with the heart-wrenching challenges of the Korean War. And in one episode, the battalion is is all set to celebrate Christmas when they received a, a new patient, a severely wounded soldier, and the doctor's deepest fear comes true. The soldier dies on the operating table. And 
And even though it goes through, it goes against all of his medical ethics, one of the doctors writes the incorrect time of death on the soldier's medical records, which allows them to tell the soldier's wife and children that he died on December the 26th and not on December the 25th. The doctor justified his actions by saying no child should have to connect Christmas with death. And I'm sure that every parent would nod in agreement with that statement. No child should have to connect Christmas with death. But the fact is that Christmas is connected with death. And for some of these children in Connecticut, it will be for the rest of their lives. Reverend David Cobb, uh, Cobb's son, Jackson, loves to hear bedtime stories. And one evening, David was telling him the, the, the Christmas story. And he always told Jackson the, the G-rated version from the book of Luke. It's full, full of drama and beautiful imagery, but it leaves out Herod's murderous rampage. And yet David had forgotten that his son had heard the other Christmas story last year at church, the story of, from the book of Matthew that set Jesus' birth within the context of injustice and bloodshed. And David forgot that his young son had asked all sorts of uncomfortable questions after the worship service, questions that he and his wife struggled to answer. And so as he tucked Jackson into bed that night, David began telling the Christmas story, and then he got to the part where the wise men left their gifts, and then he said, the end. But that's when little Jackson piped up and asked, but what about the babies? And his dad asked, what babies? And he said, the babies who died like when Moses was born. Jackson remembered. He remembered that the Christmas story is not only about miracles and angels and answered prayers, but it's also about injustice and twisted minds and the abuse of power and the the shocking sacrifice of the incarnation of God. It's not the kind of thing that a child should have to think about. But folks, we live in that kind of world. And it does us no good to turn a blind eye to it. There are a lot of sick, cruel, evil people in the world who will do just about anything to protect their twisted sense of self-preservation or their position of power. They're out there. Several years ago, some of us um, went off and saw a musical, a play called The Cotton Patch Gospel. Some of you were were part of that. It's been a long time ago. Um, But in that play, it's it's a play that it's a musical that sets the story of Jesus in, well, Country terms, <laughs> you know, but it's also very accurate. And and in the Cotton Patch Gospel, we we see the character Herod singing these words to justify his actions in killing the innocent children of Bethlehem. Here's what he sings. All through the ages, the wise men and sages said there are dirty deeds that simply must be done 
to keep society going and the benefits flowing, there's, there's a simple necessity of hurting someone. It means strength and agility, taking responsibility. It's the core of what leadership's really about. When the red blood starts coming, just think of it as plumbing. If you've got a problem, you must flush it out. And folks, I know that that sounds callous and cruel. But here's the hard truth of today. There are people in this world who are callous and cruel. Most of us live such a sheltered life that we can't even begin to understand the way many people live in, in other parts of the world, like, like uh, the Gaza Strip and Sudan and Mali and other places around the world where peace seems to be an empty prom- promise. These people see Herod around them every day. They use food as a weapon. And if this particular political leader gets in the way of another particular political leader's aspirations for power, then they're taken out by violent means. When the red blood starts coming, just think of it as plumbing. If you've got a problem, you must flush it out. People who live like that. I think the 9-11 terrorists brought this home to us for a little while. But you know, for the most part, most of us were personally unscathed by it, unless we knew someone who personally who died on that day. It made us angry for a while. It still makes us angry. And it made us realize that we're more vulnerable than we thought we were. It made the stock market go down for a little while. It made it a little bit it made it take us a, a little bit longer for us to get on an airplane, but our lives here in America are still pretty much unchanged and and there's pretty much a lot of peace around us. But that's not the case in much of the world. And the Scriptures are very realistic about the human condition. There are some sick, cruel people out there. And some of them, some of them are in positions of power. And some of them have no qualms about using that power to hurt other people so that they can keep their power. Well, this has been uplifting, hasn't it? You ready for some good news? (laughs) Yeah, it's about time, huh? Here's the good news for us today. Because even though the Scriptures are true to us to tell us about the the truth of of the world of the world and the and the uh, the truth of people in the world and the human condition of sin. And hatred and harm, even though the the scripture is true to this, listen to this, folks. The scripture also reminds us that evil will never have the last word. Thank you. Yes, Mary and Joseph were forced to flee from their lives or for their lives, but they know that it's only for a while. They know that the the promise of God concerning their son is true. 
They know that God will never forsake them. And one day, God's promise will be fulfilled and justice will prevail and God's kingdom will be established in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls all across the world. Yes, my friends, God will have the last word. Some of you may remember or be familiar with a speech that Martin Luther King Jr. gave in Montgomery, Alabama on March the 25th, 1965. In the speech, Dr. King asks, how long will it be until the hopes of his people will be realized? And this is how he puts it. It's a lengthy quote from his, his speech there. He says, how long will justice be crucified and truth bear it? He asks, I come to say to you this afternoon, however difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long because truth crushed to the earth will rise again. Dr. King asked, how long? How long? Not long, because no lie can live forever. How long? Not long, because you shall reap what you sow. How long? Not long. Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet that scaffold sways the future, and behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above His own. How long, He pleads, not long. Because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it it bends towards justice. How long? Not long. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of the terribles of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before His judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer Him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. That, my friends, is the glorious testimony of the Scriptures. Yes, we live in an evil world. Yes, there are evil people in this world who do unspeakable things to little children and adults alike. But here is the truth of the Gospel. Evil shall not have the last word. Because God's truth is marching on. Let's sing. What do you think about that? <laughs> Six, what? Six thirty-three. Are we we calling an audible here? <laughs> what is six thirty-three? My eyes have seen the glory of. Excellent. Thank you. We're we're calling an audible. <laughs> My eyes have seen the glory, and I think there's no better way to conclude our service today.
than by singing this. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. And I hope that this is the, the truth that rests within each of your hearts today. As we have faced such a, a terrible, terrible news and cruelty and evil during this weekend. And it just pull, just sucks the energy out of our souls. But folks, here's the thing. God is with us. And we look forward to the time when God's kingdom will be established here on earth. Fully and without reservations. When the peace of this candle becomes a reality not only in our lives but worldwide. And the day is coming, folks, because God has promised it. And God is faithful to keep God's promises. I tell you what, before I get, I better stop before I start into another sermon here. <laughs> so let's sing our, our concluding hymn together. 633. Mine eyes have seen the glory. from this place of worship knowing that we also are blessed of the Lord. May the Christ whose presence is among us now go with each of us into our homes, into our communities, into our work and play and school, into all of the blessings of life and the tragedies of life. Until we can all say, wherever you are, Surely the Lord is in this place. May we go with the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ in our heart. And with the sweet understanding that one day, one day that kingdom will be established fully in this earth. And we will study war no more. 
And we will bend our weapons into implements of peace. And we look forward to that day because a baby was born and promised that peace will come. Go with us, O God. Amen.